Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. Today, I am delighted to welcome onto the show George Clanton, one of my favorite vaporwave artists, to talk a little bit about his upcoming album and his massive tour, which he will be embarking on this week. As always, I am Patrick Breen, and you can find the Pop Culture Nerd on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Pop Culture Nerd, and for the first time on Patreon. You can now subscribe to the channel as a silver or gold member through the Patreon link on our Instagram. There you will find all kinds of perks and extras, which I will be adding on to in the coming weeks. Hope you enjoy. Normally when editing this podcast, I throw in a few songs by the artist and I edit things into pretty neat segments, but for this episode, I thought I would leave pretty much the entire conversation uninterrupted because George is just that great a guest and I was fascinated with everything he had to say. So without further ado, here is my interview with George Clan. You're on the West Coast right now. I am. And you're about to embark on this this big tour. That's right. In just days time. And I'm not I'm not prepared at all. Aside from the physical preparation, which I'm sure you've been doing for a long time, what kind of mental prep do you have to do before you go on a big tour like this, especially coming out of COVID? Oh my gosh, none. I just do it. I uh I my parents asked me similar questions. Uh, you know, they were like worried about me and stuff. And, you know, so for example, right now, every day I'm, I'm using every day that I can to finish my album. So I have a new George Clanton album on the way and I'm just days, literally like days, hours away from, of, of, of work away from finishing it. Even though I'm just days away from having to fly out to the East coast. So I'm trying to finish my album and like deal with all of the logistics of like oh making t-shirts and then uh you know the t-shirt people they printed um your blue shirt on a doo-doo brown shirt or where did they get the doo-doo brown shirts from you know and we i'm just dealing with that this morning for example so uh trying to get mentally prepared is just not an option like i just have to go i get mentally prepared when you know, the lights go out and it's time to go on and I just see what happens. If the first show sucks, then uh, so be it. But that's never happened for me. So I have a sense of mental peace after all these years of touring that I know that I, I'm just going to do a fine job and we're all going to have a good time. So I don't I don't stress about it anymore. Long story short, I guess the experience has said I can do whatever I need to until the last minute and then i'll i'm born mentally prepared i guess or i've become that way well that's great (laughs) i think that's a bit unlike some people there are some people who i feel like have to be to the nth degree prepared or or they're like a wreck beforehand so i think it's i think that's helpful i was just recording with hatchy the band hatchy uh yesterday and um they were doing rehearsals and stuff and i was just saying Wow, that's really interesting that it's just, you know, you and a drum machine, basically, that you're still going to, you know, you're still paying $100 to rent out this uh, rehearsal space so you can 
you know, do it the real way. I just find peace that, you know, if the first shows, you know, sucks, so be it. But like I said, it, it never does. You mentioned working on the album, which is, which is going to be coming shortly. Do deadlines sometimes matter less now that you are a part of your own independent record label or more? Are you feeling pressure? I've never been part of anything other than my own independent record label, but you know, I don't know if it's mental illness or long COVID or what, but completing this project has been a great, uh, it's been a huge hurdle for me. I've been working on it for a long time. And uh, so I agreed to this tour, which this is supposed to be my recording time, but I agreed to this tour on the on the pretense that it would be like a deadline because if I basically if I don't finish the album before this tour then there's another month of my life that I can't work on it and then I'll have to finish it you know at the end of November and uh because right after this U.S. tour I'm flying out to London so uh I'll have to finish it in November or December which would mean then I'm putting in my vinyl order during the Christmas break of the vinyl production plant, which it's already like a seven month delay on vinyl production. So it would really screw up my release plans for next year, either to the point where my album's coming out at the end of the year, which would really be a bad thing for everyone who's been waiting for it, or I release without vinyl records, which would be a really bad thing for an artist who is trying to make a living in the post-economic uh, apocalypse. It's, it's really uh, troubling. Well, what's it like coming out of a period, you know, in the pandemic when everything is pretty much on pause to now heading out onto a major tour, releasing new music, working on a new record? What's that been like for you? Is it overwhelming? Is it a return to normalcy? I mean, or is there a happy medium somewhere? Well, in my mind, I feel excited that it's a return to normalcy, but the way that it's um, materialized is I've been quite stressed. Um, things aren't, you know, to, to put it lightly, things aren't the same as they were before. So it's, it's not a true return to normalcy. Um, you know, I'm reading another article every day about how artists are canceling shows because it doesn't make economic sense you know anymore with the prices going up but like the amount of money that you make per show not going up or in many cases going down because the venues have been struggling too so you know the venues maybe not being able to budge on the percentage that they can pay the artists which was already about 50 50 you know pre-pandemic a lot of people don't realize that like i could wax on that for the entirety of this interview but you know uh it's it's i've i've had i don't want to tilt my hand here but i've had something of a, a bit of a mental breakdown uh and um but i'm dealing with a lot more stuff than maybe most people are with you know trying to run this record label and doing the t-shirt thing and doing the electronic con music festival that we just came out of and trying to finish the album Oh, it's just nonstop uh, stuff now that we're a quote unquote return back to normal. But, you know, whether ticket sales, you know, ticket sales, album sales, T-shirt sales, everything is is down. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll see uh, 
how it plays out in real life. My agent says that people just aren't buying tickets until the day of because every other band is canceling their tour due to COVID or other reasons. I find that to be very true. I know at least amongst you know my friends who are really big music lovers, I, I have such a hard time planning things far in advance. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't even know if it's like a COVID-related fear or more just like, an inability to like even process and think about it till it's like that week and it's so yeah. different from the past because in the past I'd be like thinking about concerts three months down the line that I'd be like excited for and I kind of miss that because it's nice to have things that you're like excited for coming to up to look forward to yeah yeah even like vacations or anything just any like day trip or whatever it's it's harder to do that now I think does completing this project that you're working on now this new music is this been the hardest experience you've had and getting something and finishing it or have is this often the case when you're right at the end of a process do you kind of struggle with it and work on it a lot i i mean at the end of the process this is this is about par for the course it's really difficult to sort of commit and i just have to to look at myself in the mirror and just be like you know you are not you know the greatest of all time don't worry about like the little mistakes you'll never fix them you know i should be competing with myself ultimately because my you know at least i don't think my music sounds like anyone else and stuff like that gets in my head so i just my biggest encouragement has been listening to my previous albums and being like okay well it sounds better than that so i'm i'm in a really good place but i have i'm filled with self-doubt 100 of the time and i think that that's what makes this has been my longest album in progress, like talking years wise. So that's been hard, but this deadline thing gives me a lot of Zen to just be like, well, I had a deadline, you know? And I think it's best, I think it's best for the fans that I just deadline it and put it out with, you know, places where I could improve and just move on to the next album because all of my previous albums, I listen to them and I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I released this. Like I could improve it. But what makes me improve is just the doing it. So by the next album, I'll be better than I am now. And um, you just have to say, well, you can always improve it. So you may as well just release it and, you know, deal with some anonymous, you know, person with a God bless them, a, a persona profile picture uh, dogging on you on rateyourmusic.com. Like, you know, I can deal with a 16 year old who's never made a song before telling me that I suck. But I just, I haven't been able to in the past. You know, that'll knock me out for a week or two. Mm. That's, I'm just kidding. Not really, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, in doing this podcast, a, I, a question I pretty much always ask is like, when you're in a writing process, are you coming up with melodies and jamming and always writing new music? Or do you set yourself a project deadline and say, okay, this is when it's going to be done by. And this is like the period of time where I have to get something in. Um, for you, are you always writing and then something develops into a project? Or is it like, yeah, so this is the months I have to come up with something and this is when it's over. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I think, I've never been able to do what you what you just described. I'm I'm the the former. So I'm 
I wouldn't, I can't say that I'm always writing. I'm definitely not always writing, but you know, I'm writing when I set aside time to, to do it. And then songs start to develop over time. Like the way that I write songs, I don't say, you know, this one's going to be about whatever, and then try to knock it out. I just start, I make like beats, like, like someone like like you would for hip-hop like i'm just like making instrumental beats and they're like 30 second loops but if it's got legs like if it's if it's got something that's really interesting i can turn that 30 seconds into a song and i'll start singing over it or whatever so for every like you know 30 seconds of music that i have like one in 10 turns into a song maybe and then you know, then I got to flesh them out or, you know, I get hung up on the lyrics and, you know, that's why it's, it's taken me years to get this, you know, not even 40 minutes of music done. So, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm getting older or maybe my standards are getting higher or maybe my life is just getting more complicated, but it's taken me longer than ever. Now that said, I'm going to do the lock yourself in a room and write an album in a week thing um for the first time in my life this december which with a top secret artist um that i'm just uh collaborating with a friend of mine that we've all we've tried to make music but it just doesn't work so we're going to go to their they have a beach house and we're going to go to the beach house and just record an album uh in a week or record an ep in a week and then uh release that ahead of our our follow-up lps uh just i don't know just for for fun to see if that works and god knows if that works my whole life will change because now i'm just start writing music uh in a week i'd love to be a fly on the wall in that uh in that beach house it sounds I, like you said um i think it's really tough i know it's tough for myself to like have a deadline and say, I'm going to do something in a set yeah. period of time without it developing naturally. I've gotten like pretty much 50, 50 on that from, from bands and artists where some like having that and some, some don't, some like to always be, uh, you know, writing new music. Does it help when you have a collaborative partner who you haven't worked with before to get stuff done faster and have someone to bounce it off with, assuming you mesh well? I don't know. I don't do a lot of collaborations. I know that personality-wise, I mesh well with this this individual, but I think that that's the difference between locking yourself in a room and 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 getting a deadline album out versus, you know, like you would like this Beatles documentary that just came out, and you know they're just like, oh, we've got a week to like basically write a new album, and then they just did it. Well one they're the Beatles but two you know it's a it's an ensemble with you know a team of engineers who are like the plan is hey let's make an album and then we'll figure it out I think the deadline does help but also like if you're just by yourself you have self-doubt writing block if you have an ensemble you can be knocked out of your writing block when someone else like throws a great idea in and then you have that inspiration so I think that the ensemble leads itself to the, the the sort of thing where you like, let's just get a weeks of studio time and, and make an album and see what comes out. I mean, that's definitely like 
the way that all the greats did it. You know, now that we have computers, it's just really messed it up. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because that was kind of the impetus for that question that I seemingly seem to be asking in like every interview I do now about that process is spawned from um, an interview that one of my coworkers did at my radio station, uh, my former radio station um, with Peter Jackson for like four hours. He sat down with him and they talked all about that, the Beatles creative process during Get Back and that, uh, that documentary, which I, I've rewatched several times now. So I came up with that question kind of along that vein, thinking like, you know, these four people with like these thousands of other side projects were able to like put that all aside and then come up with like amazing music, but kind of in a way at the detriment to themselves at times, um, like people around them in the studio who are you know, forcing them into things that they clearly don't want to do. And because it's such a short time period, you kind of have to just scale everything back. And eventually what comes out is what you did want, I think. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily like, like the best way, obviously, like mentally to be, you know, doing something to be like creating something. Well, everybody's different, you know, it just, uh, it's it, it's maybe an unhealthy standard to 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 weigh oneself against the Beatles. The Beatles, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that film is in my mind. You know, you look at it and you see a lot of parallels and inspiration about maybe like how to improve what you do. It definitely helps when like someone wakes up one day with a song and comes into the studio and it's like one yeah. of the greatest things you've ever heard. <laughs> In any case, I, you mentioned it before. I wanted to ask about Electronicon, 100% Electronicon. Um, how was it this year? Is there anything coming out of the pandemic you look forward to in the future of it? Um, you know, just, just how did it go? Yeah, well, it was amazing. It, it went uh, with uh, flying colors. So it, it, couldn't have, it couldn't have gone much better. And um, we did it at the Knockdown Center, and it was packed. Uh, I had a great time. Everyone seems to have had a great time, particularly the fans. So, you know, I think that with the first Electronicon, we did that at Elsewhere in Brooklyn, and, and um, that was great. It seemed like an impossible standard to live up to, to, like, outdo the first or, you know, we're, to re capture the magic of the first it seems like you know we did the second one in la um and i think the universal feelings of everyone who did who went to both was that they were both good but you know new york was better it was more magical it had the outdoor space and the rooftop space um and it was the first one. So I was like, wow, you know, the energy can't be replicated of the first like vaporwave festival. Like you can't replicate that energy, but pretty much like, I can't believe how many people I spoke to that had been to the first one and the third one that were saying that the third one had even better vibes than the first. So that gave me a lot of, let's say, uh, I was feeling pretty like, down about it before it happened because there was like a lot of criticism being lobbed at the show like on twitter from a bunch of losers and assholes and uh you know but then when the show actually happened um everyone was like 
in the absolute greatest of spirits and it seems like it went over better than even the first one so my future outlook is yes you know continuing to do it continuing to do it in new york trying to do it a little bit bigger uh you know each time to see what the limit is uh to see how big we can make it obviously you would want it to be as big as possible what was the artist's response to it the other uh, musicians you worked with well, you know, all the artists were very, uh, that spoke to me, were very over the moon about it. But you, you have to, um, you know, I have to take it with a grain of salt because maybe they want to come back. And, and so they're like not, they're not, you know, giving me grief about how maybe the sound wasn't good or something. But, you know, from where I was standing, the sound was great. I know that like on the main stage, we had some problems with the, the rented sound people who do sound for the artists on stage. So as an artist, like your sound wasn't very good, but in the, in the, uh, in the hall there, the sound was excellent. So while maybe you, while you're performing, you can't hear what you're singing. The fans could hear what you were singing and, and they, um, they loved it. You know, I, every time I was, I tried to see as much of it as I could and everyone sounded awesome. And, the vibes were awesome in the crowd. So I think everybody's happy about it. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. really what you could complain about. Yeah. I heard great things from the people I knew who went. Um, yeah. And I, it kind of led me into a question I was thinking about. Do you like to classify or how does it feel to classify yourself by a specific genre? Do you find that limiting? Can it be useful like in for a festival like this, a vaporwave festival? Or do you prefer to live kind of in a, genreless land well we we almost don't like officially you know i don't think that we ever called it a vaporwave festival but that's what uh we definitely did like three or four years ago when it started but you know this time we didn't and you know that was not a conscious effort to like unbrand it as a vaporwave festival but more of like trying to limit the amount of criticism that we have because we have a lot of non-vaporwave artists but it didn't stop all of the vaporwave people from or you know the vaporwave the angry vaporwave people who are ultimately just artists who like w you know wish that they were invited to perform or think that they should be performing instead of washed out or neon indians like well i'm you know this artist who just started making music last week like i should be performing because i'm a vaporwave artist you know but you know we're trying to reach a larger audience and and whatnot you know and uh you know i've always thought that vaporwave was just kind of like an idea and you know less about the genre stylistic limitations and just more about kind of like a subculture of people that a lot of different that gobble up a lot of different other subcultures and you know making it you know making it about that it's a lot about the internet it's a lot about you know nostalgia it's a lot about like kind of dorky stuff you know so like people who are kind of uh internet geeks you know like myself um despite my cool haircut you know like i'm an internet nerd and um you know people who like obscure like electronic music you know i just feel like that all kind of falls into the vaporwave philosophy whether or not it's vaporwave music straight up 
you know, so for me personally, I don't try to like make music based off of any genre limitations. I mean, especially my latest album, like I couldn't tell you what genre it is, but I don't really personally care. Um, but, you know, for some people, the genre is incredibly important. And to me, it's not it's not really that important. You know, I've said before that it like serves as a you know it helps like organize things and and to like find the right people that are interested in what you're doing and then i said that in an interview and then that's been plastered on my wikipedia page that george says that vaporwave was a marketing term and you it it just serves to to be utilized as a marketing term which is like not really what i'm trying to say at all but you know pe people really uh, unless you're a big time vaporwave nerd, you wouldn't know that you know people are trying to weaponize everything that I say about vaporwave and take me down because they want a new vapor king. Uh, I think the whole idea of being like a genre stickler, like oh, this song and you know his album, like this isn't vaporwave. That like is like crazy to me. Um, I just don't understand like what purpose that serves other than like gatekeeping uh, so i you know like it, it's like well there's no gate in vaporwave that's that's the funniest thing about it is it's like the gatekeeping it's that's you know that's unbelievable i could see where somebody could make an argument that i'm a gatekeeper but you know at the same time like i this is my own gate that i built like i right. built so, you know, it's a gate to 100% electronica and it's, you know, if it wasn't a gate, I'd just be releasing every album and then no one would care about 100% electronica, my, my record label, you know? Right. I, I think we're just assuming that like everyone knows everything that we're talking about and, you know, not setting it up, but you know, that's great. That's great. Let them try to, to figure, to reverse figure it out from context clues. Agreed. <laughs> I like it. Well, I want to just turn back to like your, your music for a moment and like the process. And this is going back a little bit. Um, well, I guess not too far back, but what was it like getting to work on an album with Nick Hexum? I know you're a big fan of, of 311 from what I understand. Yeah, well, you know, I absolutely am. And it was it was uh, incredible. You know, I had to pinch myself. And, but in many ways, it was very stressful. It was uh, nerve wracking, you know, I'm embarrassed to present, you know, kind of a half-baked idea to to this artist that I've been like imitating his voice and like, you know, in the mirror and stuff since I was like seven years old or something. So very uh, intimidating and, and challenging process, but, you know, it opened me up to, if you can collaborate with someone that you idolize, then you can collaborate with anyone. So since then i've been able to do a lot of remixes and stuff with people that i never did before in, in collaborations so it was a challenge it was also a once in a lifetime experience and it grew me uh, for sure as an artist who was at once at one point crippled with fear <laughs> and now i'm very open to to working with other people and um you know, like to see how that works. You know, a lot of the stuff that I brought to Nick Hexum, it was like those beats that like, I don't know what to do with. Like, I don't know how to like finish this song. And I would send it to him and he would write a whole, you know, to keep it in the rap sphere, you know, he would he would write a whole rap 
Nick Hexton, he would write a whole rap about it. And then I was like, well, great. This will just be a fucking, uh, this will be a flipping rap song about uh, hanging out with your boys in Hollywood back in the 90s, you know? So then we write a whole song around that. And um, it was very eye-opening to see how he writes music and, you know, to see if I could use any of the way that I interpret his process and my own process. And I've been trying to do that. It's been helpful. Yeah. Um, I Also, before I let you go, I, you mentioned that, you know, you've been going over your catalog of music, especially as you're finishing up this album and, and listening back. Over the years of many side projects, of alternate names, of everything that you've put out, how does it like really blow your mind how much your music has evolved? Or has this been a very natural thing for you? Um, I mean, listening back to your to your earlier stuff. I mean... I've lived it and um, it's all happened in like slow as molasses, like really slow crawl from my perspective. So I go back and sometimes I am shocked at, at what like the, you know, the older stuff, you know, music that's like seven years old now, which I play, I perform it live, but I get used to hearing it the way it does on the big speakers and, and everything. And then I go back and I listen to the recorded album and I'm like, wow, I can't believe that this sounds like that. But, you know, people love it. And, it, you know, that music put me on the map. So I don't question it. I just, it, I guess it has evolved a lot, but in other ways it's evolved not very much. You know, like other, a lot of other artists will change their sounds completely from, from album to album. And I'm really, I'm really just kind of like take out one element and add one more and leave everything else the same kind of as it just naturally progresses. Um, so I think all of my albums are kind of like a Venn diagram from the last one. And then there's like, like my, like my last album and then whatever the next album will be, this album is the middle of that Venn diagram, you know? So like, every album has something in common with the one that came before it and then the one that come and you know the next two really but this album that i'm working on now has very little to do with an album that came out maybe two albums ago so whatever you know yeah. we'll, we'll see how people perceive it um they might think that it's completely different but i have a you know a unique perspective because I'm working on it. So every album that I've ever put out, I thought, you know, I, I had a fear in my head that it would suck and that no one would like it. And I'm always pleasantly surprised with how it's perceived. Um, so I'm sure in no small part that it takes me, you know, years to finish an album. So by the time I'm done with it, I have all of this doubt around the songs. But um God bless the deadline. That's that's why we do it, you know. I'm sure that I'm going to I'm going to enjoy it no matter the difference that it is. I'm looking forward to to hearing what the next step on your creative ladder is, if that makes sense. Yes. Um anyway, George, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I also want to mention that you will be in New York City at Brooklyn Made this coming Thursday. Um I, <laughs> you, right. can you even like think ahead to that show? I can't. I can't. But I'll be there. 
most of my audience is from like Brooklyn, the Bronx, and just like New York City. And then just there's like a random subsect from like Portland. So that's <laughs> those, those are the people I have to gear it towards. Well, you got to fly out, baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, in any case, looking forward to that show. And thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy, busy schedule to uh, join me today. Is there anything you want to plug just in the last couple minutes? Oh, you just plugged it. You know, I just want I want people to come to the show. You know, this is like typically when when we go on tour, there's a large maybe a majority like this close to it that the tickets would be sold out and i just read like i mean there's a lot of articles like stereo gum uh i follow them on instagram you know and just the other day they just posted this thing about how a lot of tours are in the red i saw that animal collective just canceled their tour i'm seeing another tour get canceled like every day on instagram and um but my agent says you know yeah we've been seeing lower ticket sales than normal but it's because everyone is buying day of so despite the shows you know maybe being like 50 60 percent sold out what we're going to see is like a big walk up and i think you're actually in a good place and i really trust my booking agent like he's always right so um I think that, you know, I think we're in a good place. I think that it, it will be uh, a good tour. And, um, you know, regardless, I'm just excited to get out there and uh, perform. You know, really, I'm just I'm performing as a spree. I'm going to open up the set with my vap- the vaporiest, waviest uh, music that I make, the most psychedelic music. So I encourage everyone to, um, you know, microdose their mushrooms and come to the show. But I... It's really like I'm so excited to be performing with, um, you know, this is this is really a, a Neggy Jimmy tour. You know, it's time for her to get out there with her new music and in her first tour as the rebranded from Negative Gemini, the new Neggy Jimmy kind of cartoon characterization of herself with her new album and play all of her new music, which isn't out yet. But some of it is, but she's going to be playing all the new music. And um, I was just like well i'll come on the tour too and that'll be my you know that'll be my deadline for my album so we have that and death dynamic shroud who obviously just released the album of the year so we're very i'm just really excited to see how the fans react more than i'm excited about seeing how they react to me i'm excited to see how they're going to react to this new music from death dynamic shroud and nikki jimmy all right well especially at brooklyn made baby yes definitely you got to do it in brooklyn course anyway thank you so much for coming on george look forward to the new album look forward to having you here in new york and i really appreciate you taking some time today yeah thank you god bless you And thank you for listening to the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. Don't forget the show can be found on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And if you like the episode, you can leave a review and follow me on Instagram at Patrick underscore Breen for more updates. See you next time.